From KIOS in Omaha, you're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and today, Dewan Lamont-Hayes returns to the show to discuss the handling of Omaha's downtown library. Omaha's an incredible city, already. The tower's not going to make us any better. It's just a thing in a place. Whereas, if we take a space and we invite the people to be there, and we're like, yep, this is your place, what do you want it, what do you want it to be? That's exciting. That attracts people. That keeps people. That is a, a symbol that Omaha is a different kind of city, that we don't just bulldoze over our people literally and figuratively. We talk about the way Omaha handled the decisions over what to do with the library, the incentives behind the move, and an alternative vision of what the space could look like for Omaha's future. Stay tuned for that conversation after this break. Riverside Chats is sponsored by listeners like you. Pitch in to keep this podcast going strong, bringing you the unique perspectives, personalities, and topics you love. Click the listener support link in the podcast notes for this episode to learn more. What are you doing on April 14th? Come out to the Council Bluffs Public Library Foundation Speaker Series, where I will be in conversation with author Eric Larson. Eric Larson is the author of eight books, six of which became New York Times bestsellers, including The Splendid and the Vile, The Devil in the White City, and his latest work is an audiobook called No One Goes Alone. Join me for an evening with Eric Larson in the Council Bluffs Public Library Speaker Series, April 14th at 7 o'clock. There's also a book signing after the event. Tickets are available now. Welcome to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Today I'm talking with Dewan Lamont-Hayes about the library fiasco and two dueling visions for Omaha. You maybe heard about Omaha's downtown library, which in a rapid turn of events over the past few months, no longer has a clear home, as Mayor Stothert and the City Council opted to give the land to Mutual of Omaha for a new headquarters. All of this process has spurred controversy. My guest, Dewan Lamont-Hayes, previously founded Noise, In addition to testifying at many of the hearings on the library, Hayes is developing an alternative plan for the repurposing of the library as a transit station. Here is our conversation. I want to start with a little bit of a timeline about what exactly happened with the library. Certainly a lot of Omahans expressed that in the past couple of months it was kind of a shock at how fast Mayor Stothert wanted to go as far as removing the downtown library's ownership of its building, confusion over why everything needed to go fast. And so there's kind of some speculation from that that what's happening now has been in the works for a while. What's mm-hmm. your take on that? Certainly. So this, the timeline on the library it really depends on who you're talking to. Um, what's often cited is the Omaha Public Library's Facilities Master Plan that came out in 2017, which did identify the Dale Clark as um, an asset that needed to be improved, whether that was sold or, or changed or anything. It was like, this is definitely like a place that is losing more money than it's making and, and those types of things. So this needs to be improved. Um, so that's always been, oh, that's been around for a while. But as far as the timeline to what, to the skyscraper of, for Mutual Omaha that we're anticipating, um, that it's been announced at least, um, that is kind of out of the blue. I mean, it really, it surprised most people. I just got back to Omaha in December and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> and um, there had been public meetings um, with the Omaha Public Library and the public to talk about these different things, but it, nothing ever came up that this is going to happen this way. It was suggested that changes would ha- take place at some point. Um, so when then suddenly leases were starting to be talked about, oh, we're going to lease this building at 14th and uh, 14th and Jones, and we're going to lease this building on 84th and L, and we're going to do this, and we're going to start moving things. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> hold, hold on a second. Why? Um, so folks started going to the Omaha Public Library board meetings and asking questions and saying, we don't want to see this library taken away. Um, we would like to see improvements. Why is this so opaque? I mean, we need more communication. There doesn't feel like there was enough public input. And that may have been heard, but it wasn't necessarily listened to. Um, the library board chose to favor the leases um, and voted in support of those leases. And then right after that, it um, went to um, that started the process for the TIF application for Mutual of Omaha, right. which is $62 million. So. Basically, this is like is uh, cascaded, and once it went to the public library, board, past the board, it went to city council, and I spoke to city council, and I was like, 
what's the big rush? And there are tons of people who came that day and spoke in opposition. There was only one person who spoke in support um, who was from the community. Um, and there were a bunch of us that spoke in opposition. And then we're like, what's the rush? What's going on? This seems really weird. This seems really strange. And literally the next day, Mayor Stother and James Blackledge announced that the mutual tower would be happening. And this is prior to the vote on the leases in the first place. So that suggests that it was going to happen regardless of what city council or what the community had to say, period. And so that's a timetable set by mutual is the idea? Uh, set by the city, set by mutual. You don't really – I don't – I generally can't tell you who the timetable is set by because there's no communication or transparency in the process. Right. So I'm led to assume that it's the mayor's office in Mutual of Omaha because those are the two people who are showing up and asking for TIF or supporting these things. And it's going to be Mutual's headquarters and the mayor's office, um, particularly her chief of staff, have been the ones representing the city in this in this place. But it really it's so separated from our lives and what's happening in the world and what our needs are and what's going on and people don't go to city council meetings because they're two o'clock on Tuesdays and we've talked about this for years but no one seemed to change it and so it leaves a lot of people out most of us out it leaves all of us out because suddenly our voices don't matter anymore well we you voted for mayor so that's how it is it's like mm, 53,000 people voted for mayor there's over 500,000 people in the city of Omaha. That's a little over 10%. They don't represent all all of us here. So I understand we have a strong mayor system. I understand our council system. I understand how our government is set up. But the issue is that we aren't talking person to person, human to human, about what we are doing to our world and to our city together and how this is going to be something our youth will inherit and we're not talking to them. They're not in. The, they're not in this. I was the youngest person at the planning board meeting the other week, um, speaking in opposition to the sixty-two million dollar TIF application because they're saying this is what the next generation wants. And I'm like, I'm the youngest person here, and I'm pretty sure I don't want this. And even my friends that I know don't want this. My nephews don't want this. Like, who, who, what generation did you talk to? Yeah. Um. So it, it, it it's a lot of people making assumptions about what the future is going to be like for us. But what I say is that, like, the best future is when we're working together, we're communicating together, and we're putting our ideas because we're going to get way better solutions to the problems that we face. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so okay, so for anybody who maybe feels like libraries are antiquated, who cares? What, let's just start with just what's the argument for having central uh, central locations for public libraries in a city? <laughs> okay. I get it. Libraries are changing. Um, you know, we, because of the internet, we have a lot of access to media and information at, in our pockets. But the library, regardless of what books, computers, it's a public space. So you are not only allowed to be there, you're, you're, we, you're encouraged to be there. Um, and this is a place that you can be without pay, any age, any time that they're open, and anywhere in the city. And so that means no matter where you live in the city of Omaha, you can have a, a public, multiple public spaces for you to go to that welcome you in. And you're just a person there. You're not a customer. You're not an employee. You're not a student. You don't have any expectations besides being a human in space. And that is so important. People need places to be, especially after coming out of a two-year pandemic where we've been separated from each other and now we want to come back together, but now we have less public spaces to do that in. Um, and everything costs more, so now you're a customer in every place. See how it, it, it can alienate us from our natural community and the culture that we create because then everything comes with a price tag. Whereas a public library, particularly one in downtown Omaha, creates a central hub where anybody, any, no matter your age, race, background, your, your class or whatever income, you can be there and you won't be judged based on any of those things and you won't be barred from being there based on any of those things. Whereas in a, in a private space, anyone has the right to choose to have you not, have you not be there based on you can't pay 
you're playing music too loud or whatever. And so this is integral to the future of Omaha because when we're talking about attracting and retaining talent and we're talking about, you know, making this a welcoming place for all people, we need as many public venues where culture and creativity and art and community can form that then support all of the businesses and enterprises and other things that go around. Rarely are people coming up with their most creative ideas in the middle of the workday while they're clocked in, you know, nine to five, 40 hours a week. That schedule, that approach, that mentality separates people from, you know, from their humanity. And so when we have time just to be ourselves and stop at the library, grab a book, read, you know, do some research, talk to some people, form our ideas, meet our friends there. We're just being humans and we start talking, we start having casual conversation and suddenly you have um, a, a culture that is now able to fill all the spaces that you're trying to create. But when you just make places and expect culture to fill them, it doesn't work the same. If you're just joining us, I'm talking today with Dewan Lamont Hayes about the controversial move by Mayor Stothert and the City Council to give the downtown library's lot to Mutual of Omaha. What do you want to see Omaha do about the downtown library? Join the conversation on social media or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089 for a chance to be featured on one of our upcoming shows. Well, I'm glad you actually brought up the workplace because that's changing too. Mm-hmm. And so on that note, I, uh, my biggest question in all of this is why does Mutual of Omaha, which has made a big deal about having their workforce move in large numbers uh, toward a sort of work from home model, mm-hmm. which seems like after the pandemic might be here to stay. Well, first of all, why do they need a new headquarters? More specifically, why do they need one roughly 20 streets away from their current one? Mm. The only information I can really give you is what I heard at the planning board meeting, because this was presented by Lanaha Real Estate and Troy Anderson um, of the mayor's office in um, Lanaha. He spoke on this because the very same question came up, like everyone's working from home. More and more young people don't want to work in an office. Why would you build an office building? And they were like, well, hybrid. So, you know, people will work from home and will be in the office. Uh, okay. This still means you need less space. Right. <laughs> and this immediately still means you need less space. It also means that, like, everything that the corporate office once represented is fundamentally shifted now. And, you know, we have international real estate companies putting out these studies. This came out in 2020. The study I'm referencing came out in 2020. And this is two years later saying, like, people aren't going to go back to the office. People want to work in a more campus style, decentralized, um, third place type of space. People want cafes. They want libraries. We're specifically cited in that study. And I'm like, well, what if we had a library with a cafe in it? That was a co-working in third space. Like, what if we just turned that building into something more useful compared to saying it's useless without giving any creativity or insight into how the building can be used? So that's where that is. I can't answer why they want to. They, I, what I can assume is... You know, their current building is actually going under renovation right now. The outside is. The facade has been degrading for some time. It's in a really significant area in mid, in Blackstone, Midtown Crossing. Um, there's a lot of density there that if they were to vacate their building could be repurposed into apartments or into another source of revenue for Mutual of Omaha um, because they would still own their property. So they would just okay. become the property owners. Um, but then... So it's a good deal. It's a really good deal. And and, and I mean, it, it makes sense as for infill when you're talking about Midtown. And so if you move the office down, then you can fill in Midtown and you can turn it into more residential and then the streetcar supports it. So like money-wise, it makes a great investment wise it's great but it doesn't take into a it doesn't take a lot of things into consideration one young people are the people who are inheriting everything that you're creating right now many of us i'm 27 years old many of us cannot afford to even live in omaha anymore are very closely getting reaching that edge we have degrees many of us have master's degrees we're paying rent we have jobs, we're smart, capable, intelligent, all these things, but literally how the world's designed is to ensure that we have the most debt and that we can't afford any of the things that you're creating in the first place. So though it may be a good deal for your portfolio, 
it's not a good deal for us, bec- especially because we don't fe- we don't have any ownership. Literally, there's no ownership. We're renting, but also you're not talking to us as if we're partners. So the irony in the, in that this whole process involves mutual of Omaha is that it's not mutual between the people of Omaha and this company that does employ a lot of people here has done a lot of good, and I agree that is significant, but. When there was a very interesting point that Lanaha made at the planning board meeting was, we are creating a city that our employers want. He quote, that's a quote. You can look it up. It's on my testimony or after I spoke. A city that our employers want. People are more than employees. We are human beings who many of us don't want to be employees and we didn't have to be, (laughs) to be frank. Right. Um, But... So when I hear a statement like that, that's a dog whistle to be like, we're, we're not listening to you. We're listening to the people who play us. And I understand where that comes from, but it's not sustainable. And so to your point about like office work is changing, why do you need a tower that's such a large infrastructure investment at the highest point of inflation since the 70s? during a global world war and like all kinds of things that are happening. There's just so many other needs. Like people are being evicted like 60, 80 cases a day. Um, our governor still has not taken ERA funds. Like so people, even more evictions will increase. We have, we're, our housing stock is limited. Jobs are limited. I mean, pick a thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, so yeah. like with all these, the, well, I say all of that because to your question of like why would you, why do you want to build this building? I don't know because <laughs> I'm like guys, we have so many other pressing immediate issues that we can do together that don't cost that much money but just require time and attention. And we're not in this project that they are pushing through that's supposed to be 440 443 million dollars isn't even getting that time and attention. Right. So it's you know you know so it kind of leaves us where we're at right now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it makes me wonder if so. We started off with this question: Are basically is the library an antiquated concept? I think it's worth asking: Is the skyscraper an antiquated concept as well? Oh, it, yes. I so that's a great point because I've actually been spending a lot of time. Do, um, architecture is a passion of mine, and it's something that I you know I would go to school to get a degree in if I could afford it. <laughs> so YouTube will have to do. Um, but the skyscraper is a lot of things. Um, And I'm going to be really frank here. You know, skyscrapers um, represent the phallus. They are are an embodiment of the ego to project and show I am so powerful. How am I so powerful? Because I made a building this tall. Right. And they could Um, not have made this one look more phallic if they tried. Honestly, (laughs) I mean, the comment, read the comments. Um, Yeah. So it's clear that in like who's making these decisions? Probably men. Probably wealthy men, probably wealthy white men, probably older wealthy white men. <laughs> like, and is that inherently a bad thing? No, but we do know that there's a legacy of of impact in this country that has to be considered. And so, when we're talking about the buildings we create, the things we make reflect our values, where we put them, what they're made of. Um, how the process reflects what you value and what you appreciate. So what, to me, when I see a temple of knowledge, a public temple of knowledge like the library, being slated for demolition to then be replaced by a private institution for insurance with no vote to the public, no real input, no community process, and we're just subjected to it, that shows me and to many people in the community that we don't matter. Like, the Mutual of Omaha is the most important thing here. They're going to be center stage. We're putting them in the middle of of the city. They're the most important thing. But we are the employees of Mutual of Omaha. If we didn't exist, Mutual doesn't exist. If we weren't here, this city doesn't exist. So, like, if the people aren't present to make the culture, to make the community, to go to the job, then none of it exists. So the fact that we would prioritize the idea of employment and entities and corporatism over the basic knowledge of having a library where you can teach your child how to read so they can maybe one day be an employee of Mutual of Omaha shows 
th- that there isn't a real connection or awareness of how people function. And that comes from lack of communication. We don't really have a communication strategy approach with the city of Omaha as a government. It's very insular. You go to a, um, a very old, um, antiquated <laughs> uh, city, council, uh, city county building that is covered in carpet and feels straight out of the, 60, the 70s that I was built in. And what's very important about that building, the city county building where City Hall is, it was that it was built without public vote in the 60s. I'm reading A.V. Sorensen's uh, biography right now called A New Omaha. Commissioner Lynch in 1972, who's a Douglas County commissioner, said that this building will forever be a monument to political incompetence because it didn't go to public vote. They trimmed the design to make it as simple as possible, which then gives it as ugly as possible. And it's not a place for us. You don't see people just hanging out at City Hall. Unless you like go into the courthouse, you go into city council, or you work there. So seeing how our government operates is indicative, uh, and within its own space, is indicative of how it operates within the greater space. The other thing that you've mentioned a few times that I want to bring into the conversation here is TIF funding. Mm-hmm. Part of the proposed skyscrapers being financed through TIF funding, which is tax increment financing, mm-hmm. which subsidizes companies by refunding or diverting a portion of their taxes to help finance development in what they call blighted areas. Yes. But in this case, the quote-unquote blighted area is adjacent to Jean Leahy Mall, which is just being redeveloped, the Holland Performing Arts Center, mm-hmm. National First National Bank Tower. So, in other words, Omaha taxpayers are footing the bill to some extent yeah. under the context that this is a blighted area and poor little Mutual of Omaha needs some you know, taxpayer welfare. Yeah, uh, literally Mutual saw record profits last year. They announced it on their call earlier this year. Every insurance company, they've all saw record profits last year. It's crazy. Corporations have made so much money in the last few years. So the fact that that they have to now come to the public to say, please, like, please. And we're like, yo, we're trying to get our streets fixed still. Right. Like, well, <laughs> to, to your point, though, they're not even coming to the public. They oh, come no, no. To, they're, yeah, they're, they're going, the yeah, they're going, they're going yeah. to the mayor's office because even city council was blindsided by this. Many of them were like, I mean, I know they knew some parts and pieces. But then we went to them speaking in opposition saying, hey, don't approve the leases. This is before the TIF even came. This was just the lease to move the library. So when the announcement was made the next day by the mayor and the CEO, they're like, well, then what are we here for? You know, like. What are they there for? It's a good I, question. I, I don't know. <laughs> and, and then the, the, a reporter asked, asked Mayor Stother afterwards, you know, like, what do you have to say to the people who came to city council and spoke in opposition? And she said, I don't understand how anyone could be possibly opposed to this. When I heard that, I was like, because you didn't listen to the question, nor did you listen to the opposition. Because if you listen to the opposition, we spoke before you made your announcement. And this was based off of this thing. So. We are operating from a deficiency of knowledge because it has not been communicated to us, yet we are operating on the schedule that we, has been shown to us in the public saying this is how you participate in the public process. We do all those steps and it still doesn't matter. That is really disheartening. It abuses public trust. And it creates a tension between the citizens and the government because you're not communicating. You're not listening to us. You're choosing to do things against us. And it doesn't have to be that way. This could be a collaborative, communicative process that would have some, you know, some tension and some arguments and things or whatever, but we'll get there. But we have to be willing to even interact in the first place. And we don't have that connectivity. And so what I'm trying to do is like, hey, you know, let's imagine what the library could be. Let's let's presuppose that none of this is happening. What could, what should, what could the library be? All the buses already go there or within a few blocks of it. The proposed streetcar would go right there. I go to library regularly and I see that the bookshelves are pretty are, take up most of the space. What if we just reused the library for something else, turned it into a transit hub and station like the total mobility plan that they're that they are citing for why mutual should be there but mutual isn't a station and isn't a pu- and isn't a public resource it's a private one so use the same plans use everything you have just like look at what you have in front of you rather than this is saying this isn't good enough 
I'm talking with Dewan Lamont Hayes about Omaha's downtown library, which recently lost its home in favor of giving the space to Mutual of Omaha for a new headquarters roughly 20 streets from their current one and utilizing taxpayer money to do it through TIFF. Let us know what you think. Follow Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Stay tuned for the rest of the conversation after this break. You're in the theater. The lights go down. The sound rolls. Maybe you're taking in a big, spectacle action movie. Or maybe it's a rom-com. Don't you get it? I love you, you dummy. Or maybe it's a blood-soaked slasher. But no matter the genre, you're about to get swept up by the characters and all their little details and interpersonal dramas. You look at them and think, that person is so obviously in love with their best friend. Wait, am I in love with my best friend? That character's mom is so overbearing. Why doesn't she stand up to her? Oh, good God, do I need to stand up to my own mother? If this bad rom-com boyfriend reminds me of my own boyfriend, does that mean we should break up? We never know when we'll see ourselves in a movie. But that process of discovery is exactly what we're going to talk about on the podcast Feeling Seen with me, your host, Jordan Cruciola. Each episode, we will bring in a guest from in and around film, the ones who make it, the ones who write about it, and the ones who just love it, and find out when they first saw themselves on screen. And because that's not always the case for everybody, we want to hear stories too from people who had to stitch together composite images of themselves because they didn't see a true version of who they are reflected on celluloid. So join me every Thursday starting November 11th for the Feeling Scene podcast here on Maximum Fun. Follow us, subscribe, do whatever you have to do to make sure you'll be the first to know when the show launches. We're going to laugh, we're probably going to cry, and hopefully we're going to learn a lot. Not just about the guests on the show, but about ourselves as we listen to the stories they tell. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and I've been doing this show for a while now. Check out the backlog of Riverside Chats episodes wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite app is. I'm talking with Dewan Lamont Hayes about the controversial move by Mayor Stothert and the City Council to give the downtown library's lot to Mutual of Omaha for a new skyscraper. Here's the rest of our conversation. Let's assume that Stothert, maybe she doesn't know how to engage in this yeah. communication. Maybe cool. maybe she needs some ideas, right? For sure, so, for sure. You know, you, you already mentioned kind of uh, Pete Festerson is on the city council, right? Mm-hmm. And he criticized a lot of this, but he still gave her the thumbs up after making this speech about how he didn't like the way that it's been going. So mm-hmm. he said he didn't like the transparency. He felt like maybe the communication process uh, was not really done in good faith, mm-hmm. right? So what, what could Mayor Stothert have done? What would be an open communication? Well, one being present. Um, this is a big city. I get it. And so you can't be at every single thing, but be a person in space. You don't have to show up with your entourage, with your binder and your limo and the, and the news. Just come be here with us. We walk down the street, we take the bus, we ride our bikes, we spend time with our families. We're just human beings trying to live. And there's all kinds of us. We speak multiple languages, we come from all over the world, and we have all kinds of amazing ideas. Because we come from all over the world and we have these diverse diverse experiences. And so when you invite us and join us as a person, not as the mayor, so someone in authority above us, but as a person, then you are more likely to have those connections. You're more likely to have those conversations. You're more likely to have broaden your perspective because there are different people around you who aren't constantly affirming your point of view. Myself, living in the eastern side of the city, I recognize I don't spend a lot of time at West Omaha. I don't have a car. It's very difficult for me to be there. Also, if even I bust, where would I go? You know, there's a lot of issues there. So I'm not very connected to the other half of the city because it was designed to make sure I wasn't. Um, redlining, white flag. Well, I, I talked to her about that. She disagreed. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, you can disagree. She but said redlining ended decades ago. Yeah, right? okay. Legally, it did. Yeah, right. Um, but it's it been in policy ever since. I mean, you can still find real estate agents today who are telling you never to buy in North Omaha or South Omaha. Like, right, And, yeah. like, just reinforce the cultural red right. lines. So, I mean... When I talked to her, yeah, it was one of the things... <laughs> it I, doesn't I, change. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be, you know, like mm-hmm. a contention because I didn't know that it was something that people really... 
were turning their eyes from or mm-hmm. saying that it was over. And I think one of the – when I think about Omaha culture, one of the first things people learn about Omaha when they move here or hear about it is how divided it yeah, is. Yeah, segregated. Right. I've heard it from several people who – especially black folks who move from Atlanta and they come to Omaha and they're like, wow. And so to say that <laughs> redlining is not still having lingering impacts at least mm-hmm. – is to say that that's all by choice, exactly. which feels odd for somebody who's been mayor for so long. Yes, and who's elected in a third term. And I mean, I've I've said, you know, Omaha's a city built on violence to her because it is. I mean, all American cities are built on violence. Like Omaha is a tribe, is a language. I mean, it's the people who move against the current. You can live your whole life and never know that. That's violence. If you look at the rows of mayors from the very beginning to present day, they've all been white men except for Gene Southard. That's violence. The fact that you can also just take a public space away and give it to a corporation and without public vote and they totally ignore any any input or creativity or ideas and actually that's violence. You know, I mean, and, I mean, like pick a thing um, and ignoring the fact that these are very real conditions and very real legacy that the city is built upon is violence. Um you know, people like to talk about the the perils of the past as if they're no longer present. When trauma is embedded in the land, in our bodies, in our documents, <laughs> and every generation inherits those things, and then we are tasked with the decision of what are we going to do with this. And so... With the library and the skyscraper, I would much rather have a library to figure out what to do with because it's far more manageable. It's at a scale that is accessible. It's owned by the city and has so much more opportunity and and inclusion in it. With a skyscraper I don't own, I can't make those decisions. So we're just going to have to wait until mutual collapses or something to figure out what we do with this building that none of us wanted in the first place. It really puts the burden on so many of the of the younger generations who aren't even in these conversations. And if we were, we would tell you what our needs are. And that is public space. If you're under 21 in Omaha, where are you? If you're not in school or at home. Is this a quiz you asked? I'm asking with a pause because yeah, hopefully a sport, yeah. hopefully like a club if your parents can afford after school programming. Maybe the library, but if you're a teen, it might be too quiet for you. Maybe a coffee shop. Maybe a coffee shop, but you're still a customer. Like, you know, they're limited. And when we have limited spaces that allow us to be people, that limits the potential of our community. That's where young people start leaving in droves because they're like, I'm going to go to a community that appreciates me. I don't feel appreciated here. And I just got back, (laughs) you know, and there's a reason I left because I didn't feel appreciated. It was like this city and its policies and its legacy of ignoring people who really care and who want to see it improved for all of us, not just some of us, some of the time, all of us, all of the time. And we can do that. Will it be hard? Yes. Is it, you know, there are a lot of things that we don't know? Of course, but you got to try. And what I, what we're seeing with this whole process is there's, there's, we're not even slowing down enough to just look at what we have and appreciate it and then think creatively about how we can solve these problems. Instead, it's, this is what we're going to do, and then we're subjected to it. If someone just came to your house and said, I'm going to tear down your house and I'm going to build this here, and this is what's going to be, and you you would be pretty upset about that, right? Well, this is our house. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> but, so I, I think there's, there's a divide because you, you have a big picture with words that I don't know that are big uh, mm-hmm. like they, they wouldn't be on the like the five key words that Stothrop maybe has in her philosophy mm-hmm. like creative right that's mm-hmm. I don't know that that's a word that comes up a whole lot or no. you know even the the type of community you're talking about the type of engagement it is so much more uh, actively trying to find new ways to be communicative mm-hmm. uh, to be I mean just that you know what, what is a community what does it actually mean is very divorced from profit it seems like in oh. your vision oh yes yeah well and and it, I, it's my vision, but also just it's shared by so many. Like if you talk to anybody really about their needs, not like their, what they think, the, what's going on in the world, because people like to get in hyperbole and speak on things they don't really know about. If you ask people about their needs, they're like, I want a place to live. <laughs> I want, you know, I want food to eat. I want a family and friends that love me. I want, you know, to be able to get to and from where I need to be, how I, and it's safely. 
and I want to live as long as I meant to. Like, it's pretty simple. Of course, there's all kinds of little details and nuances inside, but most people want those things. No matter how much money you have, no matter what background you come from, no matter what part of town you come from, you, you have your, your human who has your basic needs to be addressed. So that's how I start with most things. But a lot of older ways of thinking, especially in the corporate profit mindset, is rooted in the dehumanization of poor people, of, of non-white people, of communities that aren't in your room. If you're not in my space, you're, you don't deserve to be here. And you aren't relevant to me. This is my space. This is my purview. This is my agenda. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, you can show up and hoot and holler, whatever. It doesn't matter. We have our process. We're going to do our thing. It's literally already decided. This is just we, – we're just using the formal keys of the meeting to because we have to check that box. Is how it feels and how it has played out over the years. And so, I mean, my thing is we have technology. We are the most connected humans um, in human history, access to the most information ever. So we have text messages, we have social media, we have as well as like public spaces and these things. Get creative, like you like send people a text <laughs> that lets them know that their libraries like could possibly be torn down, but that we want your input now. Right. You know, like as a city, the reason we are all suffering separately is because there isn't really any connective tissue within us. Whose responsibility is that? I believe it's the responsibility of the government. Um, because we have districts and we have a mayor system and we have these administrative administrations that support that are supposed to support all these areas, but it looks like it's up to us. Um, if we want to be connected to each other, we're going to have to make that choice. And if we want to see Omaha be an Omaha for everybody, we're going to have to make that choice together because it's clear that there are some others who may not see it our way. And I'm not here to force anybody. I'm not here to shame anyone. I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong, that you're stupid, that what you believe is intrinsically bad. That's not true. I'm also not here to tell Omaha to tell Mutual not to build their tower. I'm just saying build it where you can. The land's already there. You don't have to take our space to have your space. Right. Well, that that seems to be the big uh, symbolic problem with this yes. whole thing, right? That, I mean, my understanding is Mutual had access to other spaces downtown, very close mm-hmm. to the position or to the to the location that the library is on. But the fact that it's this public space, that the fact that it is something that is a public good, has to go away for it to be there, just makes it so much. It makes it stand out. Like all these all these problems, all these flaws mm-hmm. that you're seeing, they're emphasized. Yes, and exactly. I mean. Th- I see this particular project as a catalyst for the transformation of Omaha moving forward. I see this as an opportunity for us to really say who we are as a community. Um, We aren't Mutual of Omaha. Um, We are the city of Omaha. And we are made of many parts and pieces. And we need a place that reflects our fabric, that reflects our diversity, that reflects our creativity, that reflects everything that makes us beautiful because when I come back home the most ex- the thing I'm excited to see are my, are my friends are my people because a lot of the spaces that I used to love are gone now <laughs> frankly Caffeine Dreams gone House of Bloom gone you know like those creative open spaces where I met a lot of my people those places are gone now because they've been turned into for-profit businesses or bars <laughs> yeah. and so then it, it, it limits how how we can interact and you know this is our time to shine truly and I see this as an opportunity for us to work with Mutual to work with the city of Omaha's administration and the community of Omaha to really bring together our needs our desires our interests and have it culminate in the site of the current library while Mutual builds their tower two blocks over and then you have now you have a central station hub that supports all of the downtown businesses and there's a building there that enhances the skyline and we all benefit because we're all a part of that process and we're proud and we're champions and we're happy about it and we're excited to see what's next but when you just do something to people and you're they're not a part of the process then like i mean how am i supposed to feel responsible for that why would i want to take care of that how am i supposed to be a champion for something that was just done to me right 
that, that doesn't work. Well, so okay, tell me tell me more about your vision then for the space. What does mm-hmm. it look like? How does it operate? Yeah, so I've been doing some really cool. Um, co- I'm, well, one, let's start with the history of Dale Clark. The Dale Clark Library was built in the seventies, about seventy two, seventy four, something like that. I'm reading the history right now. Still getting. The, I wasn't born then. Okay, guys. Um, <laughs> but it was designed by Oya Abata who is a Japanese architect um, who actually recently passed on March 8th um, at the age of 99. Obato went on to start KOB, which is a um, international architectural firm. They have offices all over, including Kansas City, New York, LA, and London, all over the world. Once I started doing research about the building, I found about Oya, and then I did research on him, and his philosophy on architecture is beautiful. His whole thinking is like, architect's job is to play with daylight and to for- shape light in such a way that it invites joy and you know this kind of ephemeral nature to being in space. And he really saw the, the places we make to be these sacred spaces, no matter what. And so if you look at a lot of his designs, there are these incredible stone temples of sorts, um, varieties. Some are libraries, some are office buildings, some are government buildings, others are schools. But he always inter- integrates this like simplicity of like j- known to the Japanese while also in, in integrating this like grace of, of light and space. Once I learned that and then I go to the library, I'm like, okay, oh my God, like he really did it. You know, I mean, if you take out all the bookshelves, you literally have so much space and so much light. And if you go to the, the third floor, you can look to the fourth floor, you can see the ceiling and it has this like really cool tile. I'm like, wow, this is a beautiful building. It's simple. It's not flashy. It doesn't have a bunch of glass and steel and logos everywhere and like crazy patterns. It's just a simple square, which makes it the perfect canvas. And so I imagine the first floor being like, it's already reception right now. So just keep it reception for anyone coming to Omaha. So you show up, say you took the bus from Epley Airfield to the downtown Central Station, you would walk in and there's someone there to be like, hi, welcome to Omaha. And they're like, hi, I just got here. What what should I do? Okay, well, there's a coffee shop. Like, well, there's a little cafe right over across the lobby. If you go upstairs, you can visit the Omaha floor, which gives you a lot of details of our history and our genealogy. Go to the next floor. There's a a co-working and computer lab. So if you need to, like, do some office work or blah, blah, you have that opportunity. Here's what our rates are, you know. And then the next floor is it could be a sister cities association, perhaps an embassy, a way for us to foster our relationships with our our global sisters and partners so that our young people and as well as other communities present have a stronger connection to those places. And then like put a, like a rooftop restaurant on top or something and a cool dome so that when you go downtown, that's where you take all the diplomats. That's where you take all the business people. That's where you take uh, your grandma. That's where you go with your cousins and any everybody can be in that restaurant. Not just a few people, not just certain people. Everyone could be in that restaurant in a beautiful place in the center of downtown. And it would be in such demand. And you could have a rotating kitchen with different caterers. I mean, like, I could go on because there's so much we could do, but we can't even, we can't even get there if you tear it down. <laughs> right. You know, so that's, that's where I'm at is like, you guys, we're amazing. Omaha's an incredible city already. The tower's not going to make us any better. It's just a thing in a place. Whereas if we take a space and we invite the people to be there and we're like, yep, this is your place. What do you want it? What do you want it to be? That's exciting. That attracts people. That keeps people. That is a, a symbol that Omaha is a different kind of city. That we don't just bulldoze over our people literally and figuratively. We actually listen and we work collaboratively and then we fortify and we plant roots where we're at. And we're proud of that combination. We're not so we, our ego isn't so big that we aren't willing that we aren't willing to listen. But right now, it's kind of challenging. If you're just joining us, I'm talking today with Dewan Lamont Hayes about Mayor Stothert's decision to take the downtown library's building and repurpose it as a new headquarters for Mutual of Omaha, utilizing taxpayer money through TIF financing. Are you a fan of the way the mayor and the city council have handled this? Let us know what you think in a brief voicemail, 402-881-0089, for a chance to be featured on one of our upcoming shows. Well, it's interesting, too, when you talk about the history of that building, because mm-hmm. it, I've always noticed it's unique. It looks interesting. It's got personality that I don't know that I've seen anywhere else in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's not really a part of the cherished history of Omaha if mm-hmm. it's something we're willing to get rid of, right? So, I mean, 
It's kind of funny, too, when we think about just the style, the personality, the fact that it would be celebrating somebody who brought a unique look perspective, and we'd rather have the big phallus in the sky, right? <laughs> and, and there was a really interesting comment made during the planning board meeting um, about like the power of the skyscraper and how you know the ugliness of a low-slung building. And I'm just going to say that's rooted in misogyny. Look into architecture as it relates to the, the masculine and feminine, but... Like when you say that, you know, if it's big sticks up is better and that something low and welcoming and closer to the ground and for the people is not as good. There's a lot of subtext there that people may not be thinking about. They're like, oh, well, yeah, duh, you know, big building just means better. Not necessarily. How much of First National Bank is truly utilized or Woodman or or Union Pacific? My understanding is a lot of them aren't that full, right? There's a lot of empty floors, or at least they're not at capacity. Mm-hmm. And then how much energy will this building consume? Will it be producing its own energy? Like, we could put solar panels on the library and power the whole library pretty easily. There are just these, these little differences of, like, our generation is thinking about sustainability. We're thinking about how to maximize and use what we have in front of us and reduce our waste. And the cost of construction and demolition isn't just the dollar amount. It's also the the waste that's created and where that is dumped. Where's the library just going to end up? You know what I mean? Like, we're not even thinking about the impact, really. It's just, oh, wouldn't that be nice? That's why I'm here to speak to you. That's why I'm working with people in the community. Because I'm like, you guys, we have a huge opportunity to do something really freaking cool. And we can't let that opportunity pass us by. Because I've heard a lot of people like, oh, well, it's mutual. So they're just going to get what they want. You know, it's just the city. They're just going to get what they want. I'm like, if we say that, then that's true. (laughs) Omaha can make you feel that way. Yes. Oh, Uh, for sure. uh, sure. Sarah Johnson just wrote that great op-ed about how she basically felt it's it's bad for her health Mm -hmm. to be so invested in Mm -hmm. the ways that she's been, which is going to all the city council meetings, Mm -hmm. reporting on it. Trying to be, you know, civic engagement can be exhausting if mm-hmm. you if you just feel like you're hitting your head against a wall. Oh, entirely. That's why I had to leave. I, I left Omaha for nine months last year and spent time um, in Costa Rica and um, in Washington, living, working on a farm, living in a farm, spending time in Seattle. And all of those contexts helped me really reflect on Omaha. Um, we're obviously not Costa Rica. <laughs> but there are lots of things that we de- definitely have in common with, with Seattle. We're not in the Pacific Northwest, but Seattle ha- is is a is a huge home base for a lot of major corporations. And I've seen what happens when you let a corporation when let corporations just run the town, because yeah, there are some really cool pockets, but like for most people, they can't afford to live there. Um, and quickly, we're seeing like the the character of of Seattle be de- very quickly degraded and eroded by all these new multi story skyscrapers and condos that literally nobody can afford. And then their homeless population is increasing because, like, there's all this new housing that nobody can afford. <laughs> and I'm like, are we gonna? Do, are we literally about to do that to ourselves? Omaha, I believe, is was so far behind that we were ahead because we didn't adhere to all of the other toxic patterns that a lot of the coastal cities did, um, and even Denver. But now we're catching up, and we're repeating the same patterns, literally the same designs, straight from the same catalogs, the same five over one buildings, the same development pro- process, the same streetcar thing. Like, it's all about money, 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 money. Get it while it's hot. Use all the trendy urbanism words without really understanding urbanism and how it actually affects people. And just like get it while it's hot. We can't keep being a speculative place like that because that compromises all of us. Um, you know, North Omaha is seeing 18%, you know, property it, uh, value increases in just a few months. North Omaha, so it's something that was, you know, three or four years ago, $40,000 maybe, is that sitting at 100 Nothing, per, Nothing changed, <laughs> just the time. We are at an impetus in our history where we can choose to do better than and differently than anyone has done before. That requires risks. That requires taking chances of things that we aren't fully aware of, but learning as much as we can. And that means listening to people, not listening to politicians, not listening to parties, not listening to corporations. We're people. And when we boil it down to that, we're much more successful. Omaha's one degree separation. You can see Susie at the, at the you know, bagel shop. So 
th- that's where I believe we are. And, you know, my invitation to you is to go to the library, check it out, envision it, reach out to your city council member, tell them what you think it should be, could be, should do, what you believe. Um, and then in the, in the next week or so, I'm going to start, there's going to be an essay coming out with all the details, kind of going through the stuff we talked about here, as well as some conceptual renderings um, that I've collaborated with some local designers on to just be like, look, what if it was this? What if it was that? Um, here are some partners. Here are some examples of other cities, what they've done. Like, we can. And I feel like that would put us in a better position where we are excited to work together rather than repelled. It sounds like you've got people who would be interested in doing it. And mm-hmm. there's also this question we were talking about with TIFF, which is what do you want your money to go toward? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want it to be something that would be a space for you mm-hmm. or a space for just a company that may, you know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe you have some tie to, right? Yeah. But that's certainly something as far as your philosophy of actually being engaged. That's a tangible way to be engaged mm-hmm. and put your money where you want to see the city. What do you yeah. want to see it look like? Yeah. And, and you know, as it was said several times, I got a mutual's website, looked at their values. They said it there. They care about Omaha. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, then listen to us. And if you care, then like, let's work together. You're not my nemesis. And to your point earlier about Sarah and just like Omaha will burn you out. Omaha means the people who move against the current. It's not about fighting the current. The Omaha people were able to navigate the river specifically and the rapids and the vastness of it because they were able to listen to the water. And Omaha EA, it's a, the Omaha speaking, it's a documentary about the history of the Omaha tribe. They say the language came from water, from listening to the rain, from speaking to the, listening to the river. And that's the difference. I'm not here to fight. I'm not gonna. I'm here to play. I'm here to imagine. I want to have joy. I want to enjoy this process. Right now, everyone is loathing this process, no matter what side you're on. You know, one side has to get through the, you know, all the bureaucracy. The other one just knows the bureaucracy is not going to listen. Whereas instead, we could do the other thing, which is we all listen and we have fun and we enjoy that process. And then we all get something that we enjoy. And it looks really cool and we're smiling the whole way. While the while the world's at war, you know what I mean? Like, we need to be getting our things together, putting our brains together, because we can't continue to allow the greater narrative of we're divided to just be the fact. We can change that. In summation, then, mm-hmm. what are the key dates people need to know? Where can people go to learn more about what you're Okay, proposing? so key, key dates, Tuesday, March 29th, is when City Council will be hearing the public have the public hearing for the TIF application for $62 million for Mutual of Omaha's tower. Um, you can go and speak in opposition or in support. Um, I suggest that you speak to your council member prior and let them know. Meet with them if you haven't met with them in person um, or send them some type of contact because those relationships make a big difference in the room. When you're outside the room, you have a relationship and you take it into the room. It's very different from trying to make one behind a podium. Oh, and then where you can find information about me, mm-hmm. my name is Dewan, D-A-W-A-U-N-E dot O-N-E. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm sharing a lot of this information from my personal pages because as an artist, it's coming from my space. I don't own this. I don't own creativity. I don't own imagination. Um, I don't own the project. I'm just using my platform and the things that I do know to share with the people and encourage this kind of momentum. And there'll be an essay coming out through the Nebraska Examiner um, in the next week or so that you can definitely check out. And I'll be sharing that on my socials as well. So there's a lot of places. And if you have an idea, get with some people around you and start organizing however it makes sense for you. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, to get your take on things, and I love your style of engagement, so thank you so much for being here Happy to be here. Thanks for listening. Riverside Chats is a production of KIOS 91.5 FM, Omaha Public Radio. The show is produced and edited by Courtney Bierman. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos. Our artwork is done by Ben Matuguitz. Remember, you can find the backlog of all of these conversations wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe today, and please leave us a review. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Tom Noblock.